Chelsea. And this is Andy. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast on which we watch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today. Spooky, spooky, spooky. Yes, today we are doing our very first episode of Click or Treat. Click or Treat, Rattling Chains and Thunders. Our now annual um, Halloween just, listener drive. Just takes two years in a row yeah. to make it an <laughs> annual tradition. Um, <laughs> before we get into the episode, let me tell you about Click or Treat in case you're a new listener that's joined us since last year. For the next two weeks... Oh, Chelsea, they, they can't see this because it's a podcast, but there are many skeletons dancing around in the room while you talk about this. Yeah, they glow in the dark. It's really cool Spooky, over here, you guys. scary skeletons. Just imagine how, how funky and scary nightmares. and cool it is. Yeah. Um, today is Friday the 18th of October. Ooh, Friday the 18th! From now through October 31st. If you do one of two things, if you post about us on your social media mm-hmm. or you leave us an iTunes review, yep. then you are part of Click or Treat. You will get either a very cool Hugging and Learning sticker or if you don't want another sticker because you got one last year and you already stuck it in the most prominent place in your home and you don't need another sticker, this year... <laughs> and you only have one prominent place in your home. <laughs> right. You cannot find other prominent places. <laughs> this year, you can opt for a coaster yeah. instead of a sticker. So They're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. I, I enjoy them. What you need to do after you leave us an iTunes review or post about us on social media is send us your address in our DMs or you can email us at hugging and learning podcast all spelled out at gmail.com once you've done that and you are part of click or treat and you've got your sticker or your coaster on the way you are also entered to win what the very special prize package it's very special it's so special and a little spooky it's got more stickers it's got more coasters what it's got a hugging and learning mug you get a big shout out on the podcast You'll also get a copy of Peter Ingalls' book, I Was Saved by the Bell, yep. and a bunch of snacks, needless to say, uh, yeah, just like gonna... chock full of snacks. Uh, the word curated gets thrown around a lot these mm-hmm, days, but Chelsea and I will stick some shit together. For oh you. yeah, we're going to curate the shit out of those snacks. Yep. So, if you want to get your guaranteed, get a coaster or a sticker, and be entered to win the very special prize package. What do you have to do? Leave us an iTunes review, Boom. or post about us on social media. Blam. And then send us a message to let us know your address Kaboom. and point us toward your handiwork. And even though it's Halloween season, we promise not to be creeps if you send us your address. Yeah, we're not going to do anything with it except yeah, send, send you your, your letter. So this starts today, October 18th, and this goes through October 31st. Yep. Click or treat. Click Thanks for playing. Terms and conditions and apply. I don't know. Of death and mortality. They would be, but Okay. Are there terms and conditions? No, there aren't. No? I just feel like that if What's we had small, a lawyer, they would make us say that. What's the small print? <laughs> Closed course, do not attempt. Yeah, right. Professional driver, do not <laughs> attempt. Speaking of professional drivers, the other fun thing about... Yes? The other fun thing about Click or Treat is that we, professional snackers, get Boy. to up our game from one snack what? per episode to three snacks per episode. Because Halloween season is this... Tis a season to be snacking. Tis a season to be snacking. And there's so many great and weird and disgusting snacks out there for us to try at Halloween season. I mean, so, what is Halloween if not living the fantasy of being able to go to doors and say and demand candy from yeah, people? Yeah, it's about monsters and candy. You give me your candy! And then they have to. 
Or you kill them? That's right. Under President Sanders, this will be a common occurrence. (laughs) All the candy will be pulled in the center of town, and you can just take what you want. But only as much as you need, and the billionaires get no candy. (laughs) So we've agreed to have three snacks. Last time we did a spooky snack, a sweet snack, and a homemade snack. The spookiest of snacks. This year we're doing a spooky snack. A sweet snack and a handmade snack. Mm-hmm. So Does that it, mean you put them on the plate yourself? No, that means someone made them by hand. It oh. just wasn't me in my home. Terms and conditions apply. Right, that <laughs> terms and conditions for me. So the first thing that we have is the handmade snack for this episode. I'm very excited about donuts from uh, Blue Star Donuts over great. in Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. They look really great. It's a gourmet donut company founded in Portland. They're made from classic brioche recipe. And the dough takes 18 hours to make. They're supposed to be super, super good donuts. I haven't had them yet. They're, oh. They come highly recommended. So you went and um, bought these, and they've just been sitting here, and you haven't? No, I haven't. I mean, I bought them like... Your restraint is spooky. An hour ago, oh, well. but... That's better than I would have done. <laughs> There'd be like some crumbs on that plate and a picture of a donut. Well, I, I just... Click or treat is sacred to me. I would, I would have not like, violate. taken a piece of paper and written donuts. <laughs> just drawn big circles on it. <laughs> the This tagline for... Blue Star Donuts is donuts for grown-ups. So we're nothing if not grown-ups, I guess. Sure. Let's dig in. If that's what it takes to get these fucking donuts, <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking I'm mature as balls. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Fucking great. These donuts are so good. Oh my god. Before we tell you what we think of these delicious donuts, we have to say thank you. Uh, you might have noticed the super spooky music provided by friends of the podcast, Altered Revelations. Uh, as always, as is spooktacular tradition, if you want more information on them, please go to alteredrevelations.com. And if you're in Los Angeles on the 27th of October, they will be playing the Viper Room at 7 p.m. Go to uh, eventbrite.com for uh, tickets. So thanks, Ultra Revelations. You the best. What was your favorite? I really like the, the uh, chocolate with the clays and chocolate. Oh, the chocolate with the almonds? Let's nope. see. The other one, the chocolate donut with the buttermilk. Glaze. Oh, yeah. Chocolate buttermilk. I really liked the raspberry rosemary buttermilk as well. There was also a really good uh, Mexican hot chocolate donut. We had a bunch. We had yeah. a bunch of donuts, guys. I'm not about to like ruin a perfectly good snack with some spiciness, but thank <laughs> it you. It wasn't that spicy, but yeah. Doesn't matter. I didn't figure you'd go in for that one. Please, Miles, see, please see our last clicker. Treat. Did you have a fave? I enjoyed the, the OG, the old mm-hmm. glaze. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a citrus taste to it. Yeah. it's. Um, I'm a little surprised because the description says it's a horchata glaze, which delicious, but it doesn't mention any kind of citrus, but definitely there was a bit of a citrusy taste. It's sex worker chata. Thank you. He's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So let's talk about the goddamn episode of television, Chelsea. Yes, we haven't even talked about what we're watching today, which is almost as... No, it's more exciting to me than donuts. Yeah, I know. It is Halloween, the episode called Halloween from My So-Called Life. Yep. Uh, I will talk to you later, listeners. <laughs> 
I've been wanting to watch this since last Halloween. So, so, so excited. You know how I feel about my so-called life. You could be talking to anybody right now. Buckle up, because I fucking love this show. Everyone knows how much it means if you are a teenage girl around my age when this came out, which was junior high school, because, you know, kids always want to watch something a little older than they are. Mm -hmm. And Winnie Holtzman created it. Obviously, Winnie Holtzman, National Treasure, created this show, wrote the book for the musical Wicked, you may have heard of. She is a National Treasure. She did not write National Treasure. No, no, no. Because I don't remember Nicolas Cage being super mopey about the declaration and. I guess I've got to steal the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) No, he's doing his own thing. So Winnie Holtzman wrote on this episode, as did Jill Gordon, Mm -hmm. and Jason Kadams was the story editor. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, no slouches in this this, uh, writing room. Not a one. Original air date, October 27th, 1994. So this was, you know, very famously, this show only had 19 episodes, ran for one season, 1904 to 1995. So this is their one and only Halloween episode. Um, And just a little bit of background on my so-called life. We've done an episode of it before. We talked more about the history of the show and the trivia. But just to catch you up a little bit, in case you haven't listened to that, which you should go back and listen to, last Mm -hmm. year we did So-Called Angels, which was their Christmas episode in in December. Although the show was critically acclaimed, it had a difficult time finding new viewers thanks to its highly competitive time slot. It aired on MTV. It was up against Mad About You and Friends on NBC and Martin and Living Single on Fox. So it was just up against the most popular established shows of the time. Ultimately, ABC canceled My So-Called Life and then it ran in syndication on MTV. It was the first show to get this online-fueled fan Fan saved the show campaign. You know, people were up in arms about it, but it wasn't enough ultimately. Up in flanneled arms about mm-hmm. it. Ordinary World of this show is Angela Chase is about 14, 15, mm-hmm. undergoing a lot of life changes all at once. She narrates the show. It's almost like her diary. It's very, very intimate, very inside her head. She fights with her mother a lot. Uh, her father gets knocked from his pedestal around this time, and she realizes she's a human being. She's got a new best friend this year, this wild girl, Rayanne Graff. She's kind of left her old best friend, Sharon, in the dust. And she's in love with this guy, Jordan Catalano. But at this point in the series, he doesn't want people to know that they're sort of together. That's a perfectly appropriate description of this uh, series and and where we are. My description of the series would be, what if a mad scientist stitched together various mopey poems and brought it to life during an electrical storm? It's my so-called alive! That's pretty good. Thanks. Pretty good Frankenstein joke. I feel good about it. This is a show that I just can't joke about (laughs) not not joke about but i mean like and this episode of all the episodes is like really one to take to task but this show struck such a chord for me and it still does like i hear the beginning of the theme song and i'm just like yes i can't overstate what the kids now term is feeling seen you know as a as a teenage girl watching it and being like that is what it's like inside my head oh my god which is its own sort of thing of like when you're super white and privileged, these are your problems. Uh, from Angela's point of view, there are other people on the show that have real problems. But from Angela's point of view, it's very much like these are the problems of a teenage girl that doesn't really have to worry too much. Yeah, this, These were, therefore, the problems of a teenage Chelsea. Now, Chelsea, this is the second episode of this that we've done. And the second episode where 
Angela Chase sees a ghost. Am I mistaken? Is my so-called life secretly about ghost busting? Well, no. Unfortunately, you have a mis- misapprehension about this because we've watched the two holiday episodes, which are the two outliers. So every every holiday, she sees a different ghost? Yeah. She's a real Scrooge it's in that Arbor way. It's Arbor Day, and I saw the ghost of a tree. Yeah. And then I kissed it twice. <laughs> One of them was an okay kiss. One of them was a great kiss. You say... It's Lisa Loeb. <laughs> oh I mean, it's just... It's Lisa Loeb. You're like out now. You're going to make a joke about my so-called life. And then if you don't know how to land it, you're just going to Lisa Loeb your way out of it. I don't think that the... <laughs> i hear what I want to. Yep. Cool. All right. I'm not, Stay. I know what we're doing, at least. All right. Cool. So this Halloween episode, as Andy mentioned, is really... It's an outlier to the series. In fact, this episode and the Juliana Hatfield ghost Christmas episode. <laughs> Juliana Hatfield ghost Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a fucking title. People yes. people have said, people online have said, these are the worst episodes of the show. Uh-huh. Because the rest of the show is so grounded in reality to the point of like focusing on minutia. Sure. And these these episodes with their ghosts and their their supernatural occurrences seem to be so far outside of a natural teenage experience, normal teenage experience as to be like heresy. Almost people get angry about this episode online is what I have realized. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. So You're trying to, you're trying to convince me there are people who take this show a little too seriously. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You say, (laughs) (laughs) let's get into it. Let's talk about this episode of Halloween television. Yep. We start with Angela's inner monologue, narrating the line, when I was little, I like worshipped Halloween. So we already know that she's A, no longer little, or B, into Halloween. Yes. Although her inner monologue says that she really wants to wear a costume to school and be someone else, she outwardly tells her mother that she doesn't see the point of wearing a costume. This is the special world of teendom, where you feel things very complex and like you're sorting through all of these very deep feelings inside, but if your mom asks you what's going on, you're like, nothing, never mind, why are you always in my business? Goodbye forever. Sure, yeah. Angela does that a lot. And her mom uh, is trying to get anybody in this fucking house to wear her old <laughs> flapper outfit do you want to wear my flapper outfit no ma'am i'm just delivering your mail wear my flapper outfit uh it's halloween day i should point out this is not like we're not thinking about costumes for the future all this yeah. happens on the day of halloween and everybody has forgotten to get a halloween costume which is, <sighs> seems strange to me because halloween is such a thing for kids especially it's like I started thinking about my Halloween costume in March for what, this year. What did you dress up as uh, as a kid? Because I had a standard. My mom made me a cat outfit. And goddamn, if I didn't wear Aww. that until it ripped apart on my Hulk-like frame. <laughs> Andy Cat. Puberty smash. <laughs> <laughs> I and then had I was Ronald Reagan. Oh. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> and then I was that has tickled Miles just right. The scariest costume you could think of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd go around trying to find airport worker costume people and shut them down. <laughs> You're fired for no reason. You were just going around telling people to tear down the walls in, yeah. their, in their yard. Take their candy and say, don't worry, it'll trickle down from the top. Absolutely. <laughs> Unions, boo. <laughs> Ooh. I dressed up um, many times as some version of a fairy princess. I had mm-hmm. Several different fairy princess costumes, which was a, if you're a little girl and you want to be both a princess and a fairy, it's the best of all possible worlds because you get to wear a fancy dress and wings and have a wand. Mm -hmm. So it's like everything that you want 
altogether. Tiara, what's the Tiara situation? Yeah, oh yeah, Tiara's for sure. sure. So, younger sister Danielle comes downstairs. She's upset that she can't go as Catwoman because someone in her class is going as Catwoman. Her dad says, I thought you wanted to go as Madonna. And she says, in 1994, Madonna peaked. So, that well, out, that idea's out as well. Somebody's never heard Ray of Light. <laughs> like 1997 Madonna. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Desert Madonna. That's what we like to call her. <laughs> So after a short tiff with her sister, Danielle says she would she would go dress as Angela, but no one could find a mask that ugly. 690s sister burn. Yep. And then after lecturing both of her daughters about leaving everything to the last minute and being like, you should have thought about your Halloween costumes earlier, get out, go to school. Mother Patty remembers that she has to go to a costume party tonight with her husband, and they also don't have costumes. And her husband's like, why don't you wear that flapper outfit? And she's like, I hate that. Halloween hypocrisy! <laughs> yes. I won't stand for it the anymore. The spookiest of all things. <laughs> oh, Angela also reminds her mother that she's sleeping at Ray Ann's tonight. Yeah. And we know from other episodes of the series that anytime she says she's staying at Ray Ann's, some, they're going to get into some sort of mischief. Ray Ann's her, like, wild friend. Yes. Off to school. So Angela gets to school, and oh no, everyone's wearing costumes, and yep. she's not wearing a costume. Uh, her friend which which friend is the the cat mouse sharon sharon's a cat very clearly a cat as somebody who dressed as a cat professionally <laughs> for several years uh and people are like are you a rat and it's like this these this education system has failed some children yeah but she also isn't wearing any ears she which is, is wearing ears she is yeah, okay very because clearly I like, feel like pointy ears okay. now people just wear those have you seen this I feel super old saying this, but just I've like seen this? Do you on know about this? of a day, tweens are just wearing cat ears. Sure. I see them everywhere, and I'm just sort of like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. Hey, man, let let love rule. Sure. <laughs> it's Mahatma Gandhi or yeah. Lenny Kravitz once said. Be the cat you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. She's be like, the oh. insufferable preteen you want to see in the world. <laughs> right. I should have worn a costume, but who would I be, says her inner monologue. Oh, um, so she goes to English class, and her teacher is dressed in a really good Obi-Wan Kenobi costume. It's, it's professional. Yeah. And she says the class is going to be reading stories about famous ghosts and spirits, and she hands, she passes out a new book, and a low groan comes up from the class because reading. And then she says, speaking of apparitions, where's Catalano? Does anybody know Jordan Catalano? Does anybody know Jordan Catalano? Which sends Angela into like a deep inner monologue spiral. Like, does anyone know Jordan Catalano? Jordan Catalano, of course, is played by Jared Leto. He's got long hair. His sleeves go over his knuckles. Mm -hmm. He leans on everything. He is the most gorgeous, troubled, illiterate, teenage dream yeah. of the 90s it's that you have weird, ever seen. Yeah, it's the weirdest prequel to Suicide Squad that I think I've ever <laughs> seen where he becomes the Joker. But I think in this one he has the tattoo on his forehead that says damaged. Well, it's interior. It's oh, not quite it's a, interior. It, you just you pick yeah. that up from, from 50 paces. That was back when Jared Leto was portraying damaged. Right. Does anybody really know Jordan Catalano? Claire Danes mentions that she's talked to him like seven times. Mm-hmm. She's counting. Seven conversations. She yep. had one terrible kiss with him and one pretty amazing kiss with him. Which is 100% teenage girl math. Like, 
that's how you keep track of I mean, your, I feel like that's life. just converted from that to snack math that we do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that so, means a, a B-plus kiss average. Oh, we didn't talk... Oh, those donuts were an A. We didn't give them a grade, but those, those yeah. donuts were an A. Yeah, Angela admits to the teacher she kind of knows Jordan, and the teacher says, tell him if he keeps stitching class, I'm going to have his butt kicked out of school. Yep. So now Angela has to be the person that goes to tell Jordan the English teacher's going to kick you out. you got to start coming to class. That will be their eighth conversation. Um, <laughs> wow. Imagine they're almost in double digits as far as the conversations <laughs> are concerned. There. Cut to the hallway after class. Brian Krakow, who we haven't talked about yet on this episode. Brian Krakow We could probably is, just not. He's Angela's next door neighbor that's in love with her, and he's a nerd. He's, he's insufferable. <laughs> he's When you want to pity him, he takes like a sharp left turn into being unpitiable. Yeah, he's And then the, when you think that it's over, he's like, oh, I'll just do one more insufferable thing. And you're like, Brian Krakow. He's like a living, walking, talking, well, actually. Yeah. Everything anyone says, he's like, well, actually. Which and so is the even more British sequel to Love Actually. <laughs> right. So Brian Krakow is walking down the hallway and he, because the, the girl's bathroom door is shoved open, he sees Rayanne shaving her legs in the sink in the girl's bathroom. Yeah. Which is weird to do at your high school, but whatever. Rayanne is, Rayanne plays by her own rules and also her home life's not <laughs> the great. The world so. is her bathroom sink. <laughs> <laughs> also, her home life's not great, so maybe sure. she, I don't know, whatever. It's the not really explained. Off. But uh, I think we're meant to be like, oh, look at Rayanne. She just does whatever she wants. And somebody, by the way, while this is happening, very clearly points out, and aptly, that's how you clog up drains, jerk. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you get in your fucking leg stubble all up in my sink. Also, it's like going to be the worst shave of your life. I actually did this once in college, shaved in a shaved in a sink, and mm. uh, yeah, it's the it's a bad. You're going to cut yourself. Yeah. You're not going to get everything. It's yeah. bad. It's a bad way to do it. Yep. But Brian gets distracted by Rayanne's legs and just kind of stares at her through the doorway. This is, is foreshadowing. This will come back later. <laughs> yeah, it's Chekhov's puberty. <laughs> it's Chekhov's quote unquote gun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, here's the thing, is when, yes, clearly boys are, are walking, talking sweaty hormones in a bodysuit, like some sort of Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. but, you know, you don't often see that acted out where, like, a teenage boy is just, like, dumbstruck by the random appearance of skin, Yeah, and it's creepy when you see it. It's yeah. just kind of like, all right, dude. Brian Krakow also has no chill about anything. Yeah, so. have some decorum. <laughs> Brian Krakow's puberty. He also is one of these people that anytime you call him on his creepy behavior, just gets super loud and offensive. What? What? No, it wasn't me. I didn't. What do you? What? We go into the bathroom, leaving Brian in the hall, and Ricky Vasquez comes in. Ricky is often in the girls' bathroom. He's Rayanne and Angela's friend. He says he's bisexual at the beginning of the show, but then he comes out as as gay. Mm-hmm. He was the first openly gay teenage character on American Network TV. There had been adult gay characters before him, but he was the first teenage gay character as played by Wilson Cruz. So he has come in dressed in Brian Krakow's clothes, and he says, this Halloween I thought I'd be everyone else. So Ricky often dresses flamboyantly. He's got a very distinct sense of fashion. He wears makeup. His hair is always done just so. And today he is he slicked his hair down, and he's wearing Brian Krakow's like 
t-shirt and khaki pants and a, like a bomber, like not a bomber, like a windbreaker. Yeah. Rayanne is like, oh man, that's a terrifying costume. Then Angela comes in and Rayanne has brought a costume for her, which is some clothes. He yeah. says, she says, it's not a costume, it's actual clothes, put them on. <laughs> and Angela goes into a bathroom stall to put them on. And when she does, she puts down her new English book that she just got. And this becomes the call to adventure. Ricky picks up the English book of the ghost stories. Reading. He opens it up, and if you if you kids remember, it used to be that when you got a book, yep. there was a little card on the inside that said all the people who had had that book before you mm-hmm. at school, because they would be passed down. Somehow we're to believe that this school is either so poor or this book is so infrequently updated that they're still using books from over 30 years ago. the 60s. Because this book of ghost stories used to belong to someone named Nikki Driscoll. Just as Rayanne is saying, someone's got to do something. Halloween blows this year, which is part of our call to adventure, making Rayanne the herald archetype. Absolutely. Um, Then Ricky is reading that Angela has Nikki Driscoll's English book. That starts everyone's all aflutter over the mention of Nikki Driscoll. Yeah, everyone knows who Nikki Driscoll is except for Angela. So much so that I thought this was a prank when they started talking about it. So Nikki Driscoll is that kid who died that one time in everybody's school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, on know, Halloween. On Halloween. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, your urban legend of your specific area where there was once this kid who did this thing and then he totally died. Yeah. And, and your mom friends, was in his class. Mom was in his class. Yeah. And a friend of mine who isn't here anymore because he transferred to another school one time, saw his ghost one time. Yep. Yep. And it was like, what? But I believe him. But maybe not. But yeah. But yeah. But everybody knows. But everybody knows. So Angela has not heard this story somehow. She comes out of the bathroom stall. She's now dressed like kind of a nerdy, conservative, early 60s student in an Angora cardigan, a plaid pencil skirt, bobby socks and loafers, and Mm -hmm. plastic cat's eye glasses. Yep. But all of it doesn't fit very well. Sharon, her old best friend, dressed like a cat, says, didn't Nikki Driscoll, like, die on Halloween? And another student named Iris comes out of a bathroom stall and says, that's just a myth. And they go back and forth, and everyone kind of chimes in with little bits that they've heard from their uncle, whose brother was in his class, or such and such. Something about a prank, something about the gym, the rafters. Yeah. Somebody mentions the ridiculous idea that he fell off of the rafters in the gym onto a spiked heel right. <laughs> of a shoe. And impaled his head, which is yeah. terrifying. Mm-hmm. All the rumors uh, agree that this happened on Halloween after a Halloween dance circa 1963 in the gym, and when he died, all the lights went out at the exact moment that he died. But the girl who says this is all a myth, Iris, is like, that's just something they tell kids at this school so they won't climb into the rafters in the gym. Yeah. Ricky says he heard that Nikki Driscoll died trying to hang a banner declaring his love for some girl. So, of course, Angela, romantic that she is, cannot resist the idea of a guy that died trying to hang a banner declaring his love for a girl. And he's a lost soul, and he died young, and Mm -hmm. he had his whole life in front of him, and he threw it away. She immediately makes a connection between Nikki Driscoll and Jordan Catalano in her mind. Yeah. It's it's pretty instantaneous. It is. And then two minutes later, when she asks Ricky for more information about Nikki, she calls him Nikki 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 Catalano. Catalano. And he's like, wait... She doesn't even realize she's done it. Right. She has a moment. She has a tiny refusal of the call where she says, but this can't really be his book. This must be a prank. And I was like, 
if this were a prank that all your friends had cooked up to like pull on you, yeah, that would be a fucking great prank. And you should shut up and go along yeah. with it because I want to see where it's going. But Ricky points out that the ink is faded <gasps> on the like card, yeah, which is true. you know that's airtight evidence that holds up in a court of law. Yep. And then, so then we're in the special world. We're in the special world. It's heralded in by Ricky singing "Blue Moon." Yeah. Oh, also, the clothes that Angela is wearing belonged to Rayanne's aunt, who once rode on the back of Nikki Driscoll's bike. Oh, there you go. So she's wearing clothes, the clothes of someone who once knew Nikki Driscoll. Right. And then when she exits the bathroom, she finds a ticket to a Halloween dance from the 60s mm-hmm. in one of the pockets or 1963 something like that. Halloween First of hop. all, she, she says, like all women say, hey, this has pockets, when she's referring to something yeah. that she's wearing. That's that's the realest thing that happens hey, in this episode. it's true. I was like, <laughs> nothing really changes. Ghost pockets! Ghost pockets. Um. So, yeah, so this is a, this is a ticket to a hop, a ghost hop. The plot thickens. Um, and... Then yeah, and then Ricky kind of laughs when Angela calls him Nikki Catalano because she's already conflating these two fandoms in her mind. Yeah. Okay. So then we cut to a vintage costume slash get up store that maybe doesn't exist, like a spooky pop up. Yeah. If they had landed this episode on like I tried to return these costumes, but the store was gone. Then right. I would not have been surprised. But as it is, they're like, I told you there was a store here. Right. Exposition. And you uh, walk in, and it's like the woman they cast is almost the woman that always is the the woman with the weird voice that is always the witch or fortune teller. You know exactly who I'm talking about. I, I know. About. Her name is Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. She's from uh, Poltergeist. It's like they wanted her. They did, but they were like... But they didn't quite get her. But we already built this counter, and Zelda Rubenstein <laughs> is notoriously short. four feet tall. So this disinterested Zelda Zelda Rubenstein not Yeah, off. it's like a hulked out Zelda Rubenstein. <laughs> she says, uh, the parents show up and they're like, we need costumes for tonight. And she's like, this is what I got. And I got I got you a pirate and I got Rapunzel. And they're like, we're not really into this. And she well, says, today's Halloween. You shouldn't have left it to the last minute. Which echoes Halloween something hypocrisy. that the mother... The woman... The woman... There, boy, this, this might as well be called putting parents in their place. <laughs> well, first things first, she says, I... First of all, you don't need to try these on because me, this costume lady... <laughs> I can tell how big you are. Yeah, she says they'll I, fit. They'll fit you like a glove. I've been it's doing like, this a lot of years. Mm, no. Well, they're magic costumes. They're magic costumes. And then she's like, she mentions that she's got a Rapunzel outfit, and like the dad like chuffs at that. Yeah, and he kind of like, scoffs like, like, like you could be Rapunzel. Like it's anything. Like there's any <laughs> right, sort there's of a, like preconceived some notions. Some sort of standard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you think you carry that much hair on your head, dummy? <laughs> Fucking think you're as hot as Rapunzel is, I guess. If I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, it's because the wife is like a career woman and Rapunzel is so notoriously like a damsel in distress. I guess. I think it's more a personality thing than like you're not hot enough to be Rapunzel. If I'm giving the show the benefit of the doubt. If you're giving the show the benefit because of the doubt. Because what's been going on with the parents is that they used to... Yeah, there's a subplot that I did not understand where she has hired some guy to do something and the guy is flaking out and she's got to fire him. The parents used to be business partners, but the dad, Graham, has decided to pursue a different passion. And so the mother has hired, Mother Patty has hired someone to replace him, but the new person isn't working out. He's always, the new guy's name is Boyd. He's always calling in late or he's He's got got some problems that she has to listen to. And so she's waffling 
about whether or not to fire him because he's not working out. And in sort of a gender reversal, the dad, Graham, is constantly being like, well, nobody's perfect. Well, think about his family. And it's supposed to be kind of a like, she has to make hard business decisions and he's advocating on an emotional level from empathy. They walk in to get these costumes. And I think part of what's happens and what will continue to happen in this subplot is that they've been oh, living the, a very the different costumes are yeah they don't they don't really land that well enough yeah the costumes put them keeps, back in their yeah. more prescribed gender roles because he also does keep talking about is this is this like the spider thing where you're going to make me fire him I, I get it that's a very interesting thing but I didn't pick up on that until you yeah. said it because that was clumsy yeah it's not it's it's subtle it's not well I mean it's not the main plot of the show but yeah. the idea is they've they've been put in these what we would think of as opposite of traditional gender roles and then they show up and she's like here are some very traditional gender role costumes sure. man is pirate woman is damsel in distress rapunzel mm. and they're kind of like we don't want to wear these and she's like yeah you do you've got to yeah so they get them they buy them without trying them on because she says that they'll fit and they just trust her and we go back to school so i feel like now is a good time to break for our spooky snack spooky snack so chelsea i have curated mm. a three course take on the worst snack uh, the word you curated get. gets thrown a lot these, sure does. Around a lot these days. But more like the opposite of cure, harm rated. <laughs> 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 They've been sickened dated. Uh, the the one of the worst possible snacks you can get on Halloween. Oh, it, please don't have please don't have more fucking circus peanuts. Circus peanuts are the worst in that candy bag. that you can get ever. The worst snack that you can receive on Halloween, in my opinion, is candy corn. Oh, I don't hate candy corn. Actually. Well, get ready. <laughs> so for the first for the first of three, we've got takes on candy corn. First is Brock's classic candy corn. Yeah. What is it supposed to taste like? Maybe they have a description. Dude, I don't know. They don't even describe it. They're not even like, that classic taste of X plus Y. It's just like classic candy corn. Here you go. You yeah. know what it tastes like. It's and, like wax. And then we have M&M's white chocolate candy corn. <gasps> oh, Which weird. seems real gross. Weird. And the only way to make it even worse is to put it in marshmallow form as jet puffed candy marshmallows. You have outdone yourself. Man, I'm beginning this to feel like this intense. is just going to be torturous for me. Oh, I can't. anybody. I'm very excited. All right, let's All right, do this. So Okay, before we get into this uh, one more time, thank you to Altered Revelations for that super spooky music. You guys are great. All right, let's take these one by one. This was terrible. <laughs> um, this whole experience was terrible. Brax candy corn. Yeah. It tastes like candy corn. It, it tastes does. like you remember. You found out what it's supposed to taste like, and though, right? Butter, vanilla, caramel. Car yeah, I know. It, that doesn't taste like any of that. I it got the like butter this corn. time, and I was like, well, butter's my friend. But then the rest <laughs> of the flavors come along and kick kick butter, beat it with a bat in your mouth. <laughs> candy corn's not my favorite, but I know, you know, like, it, there were no surprises here for me. Candy corn has tasted the same since I was a kid, and I don't mind it, but I don't love it. Candy corn fucking sucks. Well, you think that, and then you keep moving down this spectrum, and candy corn starts to taste like fucking filet mignon yeah. at some point. Next, we get to the jet-puffed 
candy corn mallows, which right. I feel like don't really taste they like, don't anything. Taste like anything. They, they just taste, taste like, like sugar. Yeah. They would be super cute in some sort of Halloween dessert that you were putting together, maybe yeah. as a decorative element. They just taste like sugar. Also, the design, you can only do so much really gussying up marshmallows. These could also be orange spaceships mm-hmm. or yeah. festive erasers. Chicken feed. Chicken feed, um, which is just corn. Which is corn. Yeah. I would give the candy corn, regular candy corn, a C. Yeah, it's a real average, like, middle of the road. I would give these marshmallows a C. And now we get uh, to the M&M's white candy corn. These are horrible. This is horrible. This is terrible. I, I mean, don't know why this exists or who it's for, or what's wrong with the people that it's for. I'm giving these an F. Yeah, I mean, I don't... A straight up F. I don't like white chocolate at the best of times, because it's a fucking just, lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. White chocolate is a lie. And it's just sweet with no nuance. But, I mean, this combination of things... Yeah. It's so gross. I only ate one. Yeah, I accidentally... I've never eaten one of any kind of m M&M. and I accidentally put two in my mouth Mm-mm. at the same time, no. and it's... It, I got real close to just spitting it all out on your nice floor here. Yeah, thank you for not. Yeah, well, it's bad. There's still time. Okay, so I'm giving those an F. Yeah, those got an F. Real cool. average and then horrible. Just awful. All right, let's get back to uh, speaking of things that are above average. Jordan Catalano. <laughs> Jordan Catalano, real average. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of me wanting to throw up. My so-called life. Back at angsty high school, Angela is seeing phantoms. She sees a cool greaser dude with slicked back hair and short sleeve bowling shirt standing at the top of the stairs. But as she approaches, he turns into Jordan Catalano. So this is the first time she sees Nikki Driscoll's ghost. If you hadn't put it all together yet, the episode is really, you know, holding your hand, taking you up some stairs and connecting the dots for you. She thinks of Eddie Driscoll as Jordan Catalano. Nikki Driscoll. And his brother, Eddie, even more tragic. He died on Arbor Day. (laughs) Nikki Driscoll is named for Bobby Driscoll, who famously voiced the title character in Disney's Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. Peter Pan is the boy who wouldn't grow up. Himself, a reference to the early death of J.M. Barry, the author's older brother. So Nikki Driscoll, just a bit of trivia from IMDb, Nikki Driscoll is uh, a Peter Pan type character. Thanks, IMDb. I found this trivia. Helpful. Angela has to now stop and tell Jordan if he doesn't start coming in English class, he's going to get kicked out of school. He's like, what? I don't even care. No, his response is, yeah, because it's doing so much for me. Uh, Man, at least I'll be kicked out of somewhere, man. (laughs) He stalks off. Getting kicked out of places is the only way I knew I was in a place. I just bleed to know I'm alive, man. And then they kick me out because they're like, you're bleeding too much. Bleeding everywhere. I thought this was America. (laughs) Angela's crestfallen. She's like, I can't even communicate with him when it matters, when it could affect his like life. She's Eighth just conversation. Big bummer. Yeah. So Rayanne then comes flying down the stairs. Rayanne mm-hmm. is dressed like a sexy vampire this whole time. Sure. With- teeth in case i didn't describe them and rayanne is like amazing news i had a halloween epiphany she has talked to tino and she thinks it would be a super fun spooky idea to meet at school at 9 p.m tonight and use angela's book uh to contact the spirit of nikki driscoll to be super witchy tino of course is 
the real ghost of my so-called life. He is a character that's referred to in every episode, and we never see him. And ah. he's constantly flaking. He's the Wilson of this world. He, he's the Dr. Khan. He's it's the Dr. Khan. They talk about him all the time as being, he's super cool. He, he knows everything. Mm. He throws the best parties. He's the best guy. But we never see him, and he's constantly letting the main characters down. Sure. So, uh, Angela's interest is piqued about this. She's like, oh, I don't want it. Cause Angela immediately sort of like tries to resist anything that seems like it might be a tiny bit risky, but she goes to the library and pulls out the 1963 yearbook from the shelf and looks at the in memoriam picture of Nikki Driscoll. And it's the same guy she saw on the stairs, of course. Ba-ba-bum. And she narrates when someone dies young, it's like they stay that way forever, like a vampire. And then Rand finds her and jump scares her. And she's like, hey, you're going to be here tonight, right? I mean, this guy looks like your type, and he contacted <laughs> you, so... Um, nice. Uh, friendships. Yeah. Angela's not super into the, like, woo-woo seance aspect of all this, but she's super into mourning the tragic loss of a young hot dude. Sure. Like, forever, for maybe the rest of her life, or yeah. at least her teenage years. She's really into, like, a new thing that she can mope about and fixate on. Um, Angela's on her way from to, to dying, hanging a banner over the dead guy. <laughs> right. Nikki Driscoll. Um <laughs> Rayanne throws down a magazine cover. It's a Rolling Stone cover, the cover of Kurt Cobain after mm. he died, along with the dates of his life. When this episode aired, he would have died by suicide about six months earlier. Sure. So there's a definite tie-in here. There's also another bit of trivia from um, IMDb. Kurt Cobain died at the age of 27. And while Rayanne and Angela are talking in the library, there's a guy dressed as Jimi Hendrix perusing a shelf in the background, also part of the 27 Club, this idea that consists of musicians and actors who are dying at 27, usually by drugs and or suicide. Mm -hmm. So they're they're drawing this very clear connection of like wasted potential, people who died young with their whole lives in front of them, tortured geniuses, greasers hanging banners, Jordan Catalano. It's all all connected, man. It's like red string across the bulletin board, Charlie Day meme connected. So I feel like it's probably black mopey string though. (laughs) Angela says to drive all this home, it seems like some people have to die young, like it fits them or something. That is a super fucking teenage thought. Yeah. Earlier, Ricky was humming Blue Moon, and now Rayanne is humming Blue Moon. And I mean, they, they do kind of take the spooky out of it. She's like, why are you humming that? And she's like, I don't know, because Ricky was humming it earlier. Mystery solved. <laughs> but why was he humming it? It uh, goes all the way to the top. Um. <laughs> yes. This conspiracy goes all the way to the other guy. Um, Angela says she thinks trying to contact Nikki Driscoll is a sick idea. Not good sick. Not like mm. 90s good sick. Bad <clears> sick. <throat> and she doesn't really believe in ghosts. And Rayanne's all like, sure, sure, sure. That's why you're in the library looking him up. See you tonight. Boom. Snap. This reminds me of a quote that I really like, which is, I don't I think it's one of those things that's not really attributable to any one person, but this idea that it's not places that are haunted, it's people who are haunted. Mm-hmm. Angela Chase is the is a primed person to be haunted. Like, the headspace that she lives in is prime haunting real estate. Sure. If anyone was going to end up with this guy's book and then become obsessed with, like, his legend, she's the perfect person for it. Yeah, she really seems to be the type to find... She, she locks onto things like a cool seeking missile <laughs> it's like well She's that seems like seeking missile that's something i could really mope about yeah i better really dive into that and it seems to me that it, it's always an excuse to 
do the thing that she wanted to do anyway. She wants to talk to Jordan and get closer to him. So obsessing about somebody with wasted potential that she can't get in touch with seems to be a real tortured way to go about proving the point to herself. Exactly. Instead of trying to like figure out how to communicate with Jordan better, we'll just do this thing over here for a while and draw some sort of parallel. Sure. So Rangan approaches Ricky outside of school. He says, before she can get anything out, he says, I heard I'm out. He wants nothing to do with the seance thing. Not because he doesn't believe in ghosts, but because he does. Then Brian Krakow comes along and overhears the meetup time and place for tonight because, and because A, he is a creeper, B, he is desperate to belong, and C, he is obsessed with Angela. We know he'll be back here at 9 o'clock too, even though he wasn't invited. Yep. He mentions to Ricky that, uh, Ricky's like, I'll get these clothes back to you. And he's like, you can keep them as long as you want. He's like, well, why would he keep these clothes? Right. He, the whole point is he's dressing up in something he would never wear. Exactly. And then he's, and then there's a weird Brian Krakow, uh, yeah, make sure when you wash them, you have to wash them separately. Yeah, I think just because he's like a neurotic stickler, he's not like a regular sure. teen. He's not a regular teen, he's an uptight teen. Boy, nothing's dumber than caring about your possessions, man. <laughs> Taking care of your clothes is stupid, man. Back at the house, in a moment of legitimate lols, the only really funny moment of yeah. the entire episode, little sister Danielle comes downstairs in a red bob wig, mm-hmm. a sort of shapeless tank top, flannel shorts and a different pattern flannel shirt and some straight up doc martens yep and she winds her arms and legs around each other and leans on the fridge as though the weight of the world were on her chest and laments some stuff about sharon chersky because she is going as angela for halloween and her parents are at first scared shitless they're that angela legit- is starting all over again yeah, it is legitimately a scary costume and then they're very rightly impressed because it is an excellent spot-on costume and yep. tiny little actress lisa Will Hoyt nails Claire Danes' mannerisms and yeah. speech cadences in this moment. It's it's like truly delightful to watch. The parents then tell her to be home by ten and head up to put on their costumes. So yeah, let's let's talk about these parents putting on these costumes. Okay. You remember when we did the Convicted Dracula episode? I do. And you were like, this scene feels like its own two person, one act yeah. sh- a scene you would do in a drama yeah, class. Yeah. That's what this felt like to there, me. The whole B plot feels like it was a a middle aged person wandered into this young writing room and was like, "Hey guys, I'll take the B plot this time." Right, right, right. This is it's a very, very interesting structure though, and I watched it twice because I feel like if this had been, I feel like this is sixty percent executed the idea uh-huh. and if it had been a hundred percent executed it would be masterful sure because what happens is they're still talking about how mom needs to fire this employee yeah. and this is when dad's like do you want me to do it for you and she's like no no i can do it i just don't want to because but he's terrible he's the wrong guy for the job and dad's like think about his family what if his kids need braces you're just gonna throw this guy out on the street sure. so then they fairy tale music starts playing sort of like looty type music starts mm-hmm. playing and they start putting on these costumes and as they're putting on the costumes they completely change perspectives and she assumes a very traditionally feminine sort of like what about his poor kids what if they need braces and he's like he's got to go he's the wrong man for the job sure. and once he's fully dressed as a pirate his line is if he leaves early to go to the chiropractor he's a dead man I'll fire him myself the filthy cur it's an interesting thing because it happens slow. It happens subtly, and it happens 
in a way that you almost don't notice it. And I yeah. just feel like if they had really pulled it off, they it would need, have been very cool. Yeah, they need about to devote about five more minutes of story time to these characters right. and this story in order to make it work. They need to tie in some sort of something about how oh we haven't uh, we've been too busy to have sex or something like right. that. You know, they need to tie it into their marriage. Oh, that's the other thing is they're all getting we're getting all horned up for each other straight while putting up. these costumes As, on. You know, but I mean, you put a guy in a room with somebody dressed as Rapunzel. <laughs> well, I mean, noted uh, sex pot Rapunzel. Noted sex worker pot. No, that's not, not how that works. No? Okay, no, well, not. I'm trying is the thing. <laughs> I know, you're trying. Sharon Chersky comes over. This is, remember, Angela's old best friend. Mm-hmm. And she's borrowing rat a girl. chafing dish. Yeah. Yeah, rat girl. She's borrowing a chafing dish, which younger sister Danielle gets for her. They rag on Angela together for a moment. Yep. And then Sharon totally just ditches her boyfriend to horn in on Danielle's trick-or-treating. She's like, I'm supposed to go out with my boyfriend. And then Danielle is like, I'm going to go trick-or-treating. And Sharon goes, yeah, no, cool. I'm going to do that with yeah. you instead of I'm just going to ditch. Um, and they go off together. If you can get away with it, fucking go trick-or-treating. Yeah, right? I've got this goddamn beard. <laughs> no. Unless I like pretend, like I, if I put some strings around it and like tie it over yeah, my ears. Make it look like a fake beard. Sure. Or I put on a trench coat and put two little legs sticking out of the middle. And I'm like, oh, I'm two kids on the sh- standing on each other's shoulders. There you go. One ticket for the R-rated movie, please. <laughs> So it's now around nine o'clock. So we go back to school and we're now it's time for the Nikki Driscoll seance. Rayanne is there drinking from a flask and Ricky is there looking scared because even though he said he wasn't coming here, he is of course. And Brian Krakow is there claiming to be locked out of his house. He's not locked out of his house. Yeah. And then Angela's there and they make fun of Brian some. Um, Boy, no, there is a moment here that I don't, I don't think you understand how terrifying it is. There is nothing worse than saying something and having two teenage girls laugh mockingly for a solid minute about it without really explaining why they're laughing. It really took me back to high school and being oh. like, shut up, man. But wait, <laughs> but wait, shut up. I guess I got why they were laughing. And so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a thing that would happen. But I've been on the no, other I mean, side I get of that. It. It's yeah. just, but Brian doesn't quite understand what's going on in it. Right. Uh, as they much do. pity as I could spare for him and then right. immediately shove off. Because they're, always, they're always fucking ragging on Brian. I mean, yeah. he can't catch a break, but he makes it worse for himself. He's not a character that you can just simply pity because he does make it always worse for himself. Yeah. Sharon has gone trick-or-treating with Danielle. She's having so much fun. They're laughing together. And she says to Danielle, make sure you won't let boys drain all the fun out of your life. And Danielle says, I wish you were my sister. I hate her. Talking about Angela. And Sharon's like, yeah, you hate her so much you wanted to be here for Halloween. Yeah. She kind of sees straight through that. There's also a little bit, as pointed out in the AV Club article about this episode, when Danielle, when uh, Sharon says, I miss this, she could be talking about Halloween, trick-or-treating as a kid, or she could be talking about hanging out with Angela. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty smart yeah. uh, in that way. Uh, again, it's just, it's not quite the thing they're trying to say, but it's there. I mean, yeah, I, that's I, I the, give that's her props. the sort of subtle writing that my so-called life, when it's good, is really good at. Yeah. So back outside the school, Tino hasn't shown up, of course, because he never will. Spoiler alert. He never will. He never will. Rayanne has decided, because Tino was going to help them get into the school, Rayanne's like, let's just break in anyway and write, Nikki Driscoll was here on the gym floor. That will make us legends, just like sure. Nikki. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's like... You know, like the guy who died. Right. Everyone's like, we'll set off the alarm. We can't break into school. But I was also like, that's just dumb. That's yeah. just stupid. But then I thought... 
but a teenager would think that would be awesome. Sure. You know? So it's also the sort of thing you talk about when you know you can't execute it right. as well. When you're like, well, we can never get in here. Wouldn't it be great if we did this thing? Let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky goes, my life's complicated enough. Count me out, which I think is like an excellent way to excuse yourself from any kind of nonsense. Sure. And I plan to start using that more in the future. Good luck. And Brian nerd of the world knows of course some secret chess club way into the school and because he's in love with Angela and scared of Rayanne he agrees to help them break into school through like the AV storage room right so once inside Brian asks Angela why she's doing this he says if we get caught you could screw up your whole life and she says with a smile in a Jordan Catalano-esque way at least I'll know I'm alive, which is the most fucking sophomore more in high school response of all time. Can't if you get kicked out, man. You you know that you're a person because they'll have to kick something, man. <laughs> and that something will be me, man. And of course, once they're inside the school, Angela immediately sees Nikki Driscoll's ghost and wanders off oh, after this him is my in like favorite. a trance. Yeah, yeah, this is my favorite. So the. the- she sees him standing in the hallway. I think Blue Moon is playing gently in the background. Nikki Driscoll's friend has some sort of effigy, some sort of dummy. Oh, no, we're not there yet. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oh, okay, sorry. So she just sees him standing, and she wanders off, leaving uh, Rayanne and Brian alone. Rayanne has cocked her leg up on the stairwell to try to, to tie her boots, and Brian is again distracted by her leg and lets the door slam behind them, locking them into the school. Rayanne is pissed now, but Brian says and he can immediately disable. gets it. By the way, is like, were you staring at my legs instead yeah, of fucking yeah. watching the door? <laughs> and he's like, no, God, no, no. Brian says he can disable the school's alarm system from the main computer, which is the size of a tank. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they main go- <laughs> com- it's the main computer, Chelsea. <laughs> so they go up to it and he starts working on it, but all he manages to do is kill all the lights in the school. Yeah. Um, so Angela wanders around in the dark, freaking herself out, and eventually ends up in the gym, and the ghosts slash former selves of two 60s teen girls walk past slash through her, talking about Elvis records, and one of them is played by Lindsay Sloan, who played Valerie on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Well, there you go. Yep. Tie-in. The gym is decorated for a dance, and a banner reads, Class of 63, so this, then, is the ghost hop that we've been hearing about. Creepy music is playing. And Angela doesn't run away screaming because she's kind of been looking for this all day. Yeah. This is, like, really what she wants to be doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ricky is just, like, out. He is leaving school grounds. He encounters a literal motorcycle gang of ruffians and Jordan Catalano smoking under the bleachers. Yeah. Jordan's all moody, and he's like, every Halloween we come out here, we tear up the track, we dump garbage everywhere. God, it's getting old. But then he says something to the effect of... But we all do it because what if something happens and then you didn't go and you missed the thing that happened? Yep. Which I get. This accurately sums up my my entire twenties. This like, is this yeah. line of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of like what if you what if something cool happened and you weren't there? Yeah. So you keep putting up with the same thing over and over again. Yep. Jordan is just he's trying to be an old soul, but Ricky, who's like gay and can't come out and is getting beaten by his dad i swear to god he shoots him a look that's like get a real problem like sure. i i i swear that that is what that look that's, read as to that me. seems to be the theme of my so-called life is people surrounding themselves with people who have actual problems and like wishing 
Like, if I can just feel enough and say enough profound things, I'll have real problems, too. Yeah, it's like problem appropriation. Can, yeah, it is. It's like, I, I can be as put upon and as oppressed as this gay kid or this financially insecure lady or Angst anything. appropriation? Angst appropriation is what my so-called life is all about. Yeah, it's privileged people trying to suck all of the problems out of people with real problems. Yeah, so they can also have problems. So Jordan tells Ricky, you better get out of here because those guys are pretty ripped, implying that they'll beat the shit out of Ricky if they feel like it, and he's still standing around. So Ricky runs off. Back at the Dance of the Dead, Nikki Driscoll's crush, a girl named Connie, is setting up or maybe they're cleaning up. It's impossible to know. There's no dance like, happening. It's just these two girls. I feel like they're setting up for the dance. Um, with Valerie from Sabrina, whose name is Ruthie. And sure. Ruthie's like, he really likes you. And Connie goes, it doesn't matter. He's a loser. He's going nowhere. And I'm not going with him. And she has a rose that Nikki Driscoll gave her. And she throws it on the ground. So, of course, Angela picks it up and never lets it go for the rest of her life. Yeah. Then Angela hears male... Claire Danes is now still holding that. <laughs> right. If you watch Homeland, you can see her holding yeah. that flower. She's married to, to Hugh day. Dancy and she's still like waiting for uh-huh. this ghost to come back. Angela hears male voices in the hall and runs out there to see Nikki Driscoll's ghost. He's a real leaner, just like Jordan, just like just leans on, on everything. Things, man. Okay, so this is Hair the point at which grease. this is the point at which I start wondering about the rules of this world the ghost world the ghost world because nikki's dead that we know but the rest of these people would just be like in their late 40s early 50s it's not like this happened a hundred years ago like the rest of these people unless they all died young are still out there they're just like you know the parents of her friends sure running around and so i'm wondering are these just like an imprint of a night in the past like are these apparitions that are imprinted on this place and not not ghosts yeah i don't think it's like everybody's it's not like the shining where everybody here is dead i think it's just she's found her way into some sort of like vague right she's traveled to the past because you, you see eddie driscoll and at the point in which you see him he's still alive right okay so they the rules are really fuzzy about like the parameters. I always wonder in a supernatural storyline, like what are the rules? But I think what we're seeing is just like a night Angela's in the past. Yeah, I think that's more it. than ghosts. It's not it's not necessarily ghosts. And again, when she sees Eddie Driscoll, Eddie Driscoll is still alive right. in the world in which she's inhabiting. Yes. So now we go back to the house where the costumes have made the parents super horny. Fucking that's about it. Not, that's the whole B plot. That's what it yeah, come down to. It's is, like a role play thing. It's fantastic, except like they want it to be funny. That it's like, hey, we're fucking trying to get it on, but these kids keep interrupting us. For Halloween trick-or-treating. For Halloween trick-or-treats. It's like, turn the lights off. You're good. Like, just yeah. stop answering fucking your doorbell. shut off the, the porch light. <laughs> or, I don't know, don't answer the fucking door. <laughs> right. But because it's my so-called life, it's not quite as easy as just, like, the costumes have made them horny. Because there's a whole thing. There's a whole thing in the early part of the season. It might even be in the pilot or the second episode where the mom is thinking about cutting her hair super short, which Mm -hmm. she does. And one of her friends is like, that's going to make you less attractive because, quote, you know how men are about long hair. So this is kind of like a callback to that and a bit of a reinforcement of the idea that, like, she has this super short 80s, like, professional working mom hair. It's not even a pixie cut. It's, like, shorter than that. Um, But now that she has this super long hair, her husband can't resist her. And he literally, you know, they call romance novels bodice rippers. He He literally literally rips rips the bodice of the costume. So that's what's happening. So they start to have sex instead of going to the Halloween party they're supposed to go to. And Rayanne, back at school, lays into Brian about the fact that they... 
he killed all the lights. They're locked in the school. He was totally staring at her. Now they go to go find Angela. She's just going on and on and on. And he's had enough of this and just starts to leave. He's like, yeah. you're on your own. And she calls out because she's like, don't, don't leave me. I'm afraid of the dark. And he, she gives him some bullshit story about why she's afraid she, of the dark. She makes fun of him and being like, my dad used to lock me in a thing and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then she starts laughing when he genuinely you know, feels anything at all. And she's right. like, ah, just kidding. I just don't like the dark. She's like, you wanted some big story, but it's just, I don't know why I don't like the dark. Sure. This is all foreshadows a little bit the Christmas episode when he'll call a teen helpline and she will anonymously counsel him. Oh, wait, I mean, pretend she's a sex worker. Never mind. Just go listen to our... She pretends she's a real horchata. Our, <laughs> just go listen to our uh, our Christmas episode. Yeah. Oh, folks, uh, the real point of this podcast is to eventually make it so you can understand my so-called life without watching a single episode. <laughs> Stack them all up. They fit together. Okay, so now we're approaching the inmost cave. This is the part that you've been waiting to talk about. I don't feel about. like talking about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> the so mystery there... of Nikki Driscoll is starting to actually come together. Like yeah. What really happened is we, starting to come together. Yeah, we get the idea that whatever is going to happen to Nikki is going to happen on this ghost night. And uh, Nikki is leaning against a door in the hallway, and his friend comes by with a large dummy, like pillows, and it's yeah. made up to look like the principal, They're going to hang the principal in effigy. Yeah, I guess from the rafters, maybe that's what happens. Although now it's like, maybe he died later on or he just got hurt. Here's my favorite part, is that this friend is trying to convince Nikki Driscoll to, to come on and do this prank. And it I don't know if there was a script here or if they were like, <laughs> they gave this kid with the effigy some lines and Nikki Driscoll, they're like, yeah, just say you won't do it. So if you don't mind, will you pretend to be the friend and I will be Nikki Driscoll? Sure. So go ahead. Oh, this guy, nah. the, the principal kicked nah, us out of school. On. He can't nah. get away with that. We're going to no, hang this dummy. On, That'll nah. show him. Come on. Come on. You want to do it? You're going nah. soft on me. Nah, I don't want to. Come on. <laughs> nah. He just keeps going. Nah, come on. Nah. Come on. Would you like to try one of these M&M? Uh, nah, come on. Nah. Just try come one. They're really, nah, you know, everybody loves come M&Ms. Come on. Nah, come on. Let's not. I know nah. what the flavor come says, on, no, but the M&Ms. Nah, come on. Come on. Nah. No is the you proper say... response. <laughs> nah, come on. Nah. So Nikki, Nikki doesn't want to do the hanging nah, come principle on. Uh, in effigy prank because, right. because whatever. Because no, and come on. <laughs> um, but And Billy is the friend. Billy's like, you're going soft to me and he like storms off and past Claire Danes past uh, Angela who up to this point none of the ghosts have seen Angela right but now Nikki stares right at her but before they can speak we cut back to Rand helping Brian lie to his mother on the phone about his which whereabouts. is a pretty cool scene yeah uh, this she's, is a this she's is a, a bad really, kid. He's a good kid. Yeah. he needs help. This is this is the most interesting scene of the the show for me because mm. it's it's minute, it's a genuine connection, and it's here's how people actually become friends. Right, and that is, is this is what the writing is usually like on this sure. show when they're not dealing with ghosts. I mean, as far as I know, yeah, that's not true. But <laughs> again, we'll do enough episodes that maybe I'll see the whole thing someday, which I think is your plan. So. Yeah, it's my plan. It's the whole this entire podcast. Are we actually recording any of this? <laughs> no, <Nope>. oh. <laughs> we just make a sound file and send it to you. We don't actually put it on iTunes or anywhere. Oh, <laughs> so what am I subscribed to? <laughs> Miles hacked your phone. I've been paying my friends to say this is pretty good. Oh, Ryan, my uh, so-called podcast. <laughs> it's a ghost cast. 
Um, <laughs> Rayan helps Brian by giving him the correct words to say to his mother so he can be out all night because they're locked in the school and he's going to yeah. break his curfew. She's got all the excuses all lined up. It's right. great. It's pretty good. And then they kind of uh, they kind of smile at each other. You know, they're getting along. So then it's time for the Supreme Ordeal. Back in the ghost corridor, <laughs> Nikki Driscoll sees Angela and they chat. Earlier, Jordan Catalano was talking about how when he was saying how bored he was and he was afraid to miss stuff. And Ricky said, Ricky said to him, why don't you just leave? Mm -hmm. And Jordan was like, nah, I got to help a friend uh, with a thing. I can't get out of it. I got to. Got to. Yeah. So now Nikki Driscoll says the exact same thing to Angela. He says, I got to go help a friend do something. Can't get out of it. He's talking about hanging the principal from the rafters. And Angela says, you're going to get hurt. And he says, at least I'll know I'm alive. Oh this guy is definitely she's like, Jordan Catalano's dead alive. uncle. Yeah, it's true. Nikki Driscoll is Jordan Catalano's dead uncle. <laughs> <laughs> there. There's your fucking conspiracy theory right there. It all comes together. I'm not going to look up my so-called life fan fiction, but you know, I bet you could write that story if you wanted right? to. So Angela, again, like you said, yells, you're not alive, but he runs into the gym and this door slams and she can't get it open and she can't get back into the past. So and it does the most just... 90s thing ever where the door slams like six times. Like you see uh, it slam yeah. in slow motion and then her, oh. her miss the handle and it slams again and she misses the handle. It slams yeah. like to really drive home the fact that she almost caught well, the, the handle. Yeah, no, I got it. Uh, no, I, I and the entire audience of the, who's seen this episode uh, got it. There's a weird after effect on all of the ghost scenes where it's just a little slowed down and it is straight lifted from Twin Peaks. Uh -huh. Anytime they're in the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks and it's like sort of shuddery and it's sort of slowed down a little herky-jerky, they have just lifted that and mm. made it a little bit more palatable. It's fine. It's but yes, the, the they do show that a hundred times. So, uh, so that's our supreme ordeal, I guess. Is trying to get that door? Well... This is the thing, is you think... So there's something going on here that results in two Supreme Ordeals. Mm -hmm. um, there's the Supreme Ordeal of the past and the Supreme Ordeal of the present. Yeah. And what we realize here is that Angela never could have had any effect on the past. Like, and Yes, and as much as in the present, I'm having a lot of trouble dealing with this episode. <laughs> she, she wanted to try to help Nikki Driscoll, or she wanted to save him from be becoming a ghost or dying young, but that was never really possible. Like, it, his destiny is his destiny. So... In the parallel that she's drawn in her mind between him and Jordan Catalano, in this moment, she fails to help him, but she will, she hasn't yet, like, Jordan is not beyond the realm of help, and yeah. and not beyond the realm of, like, saving him from you are his life always, away. There's always hope for you as long as you are still alive. Right. Now we are headed into a weird place where it's sort of like the return with the elixir heal the community, but mm -hmm. also we haven't had the second Supreme Ordeal and Climax yet. Sure. It's the next morning. We're back at the house. Danielle, younger sister, is tenderly putting Angela's clothes back in her room. Yep. And her mother says, I bet you're glad to be yourself again, huh? And Danielle very sweetly leaves Angela a little bit of candy on her dresser. I was figured that was just payment for likeness rights. <laughs> right. I got your life rights for one night. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sweet little scene where she she 
leaves you can see her letting go of this i was angela for a second i lived in her skin right and sort of like touching some of the things in her room and and identifying her as a real person instead yeah. of like she doesn't this hate thing her. to mock yeah you yeah. know it's like at the end of the day you are a real person yeah and she really idolizes her here's whether she some can... of my least favorite candy right here's for like you. a really generic sucker it was a peppermint and a lollipop yeah which... it was not great mm-hmm Back at school, Brian and Rayanne, it's the next morning, Brian and Rayanne have fallen asleep. Uh, They have slept together in the literal sense. And they are found by the custodian, George, who lets them and Angela out of the school and apparently has promised for whatever reason not to say anything to anyone. Uh, But less said the better. Yeah, Rayanne's like, he's cool. And I was like, well, he has no reason to be cool. Literally has no lines, too. He's just like, I gotta get to cleaning. They run out of school. No one's the wiser. They don't get caught by the police. Presumably their parents aren't going to be upset. The parents, Angela's parents, Patty and Graham, are talking about more about the guy the mom has to fire. And dad asks again, do you want me to do it? But she's like out of her Rapunzel wig and back in her yeah. 80s, 90s power suit. So she says, part of me wants you to. And he responds with, part, part of, of me, me wants you me to want, want me to. to. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, It's that's nice. That's a good line. Yeah. And then Boyd calls and the mom fires him over the phone. Yeah. And dad smiles. Um, and then she yeah, goes. So that's resolved. Yeah, that and she returns the costume and she almost buys it, but then she's vaguely kink shamed. Yeah. Into she she feels kind of silly. Is this too silly. early? Should we wait? It until is the- well that something happens between, but we might as well say it. So she she brings the costumes back and she feels she asks about outright buying them, but she feels kind of silly. She does squirrel away the handkerchief from the costume, though. Yeah, she straight up steals the handkerchief. It's it's so mundane now. It's like, but when would I wear it? It's like, it's a fucking role playing. Yeah. Go for it. And lady. The, the lady, the um, the, the oh. witchy costume lady yeah. says she she expected the bodice to be ripped. She knew that was going to happen. That's it why she gave every them, time. That's why she gave them the costumes. It's very much like. Were they magic costumes? Will this store be here tomorrow? Yeah, like it's, it's, it's a little of bit that. of a little bit of a woo-woo. Oh, there was also the the very spot online where he uh, the husband mentioned. Sorry if you said this. There's a very spot online where the husband mentions that what happened last night is you you know you finally let your hair down. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Yeah. Because the Rapunzel. Yeah, it's no, don't, don't. I'm not making the shitty joke. It yeah, was the series. Uh, Back at school, this is actually a little moment that I think is great in the way that you think that that phone call mm-hmm. moment is great. So back at school, Ricky comes to give Brian his clothes back. Ricky is again dressed in his sort of like more. He's got eyeliner on, his hair's done up. You know, he's wearing like a more Ricky ensemble, and he's giving Brian back his clothes. And Brian is so jazzed. To have spent the night doing doing something cool oh, yeah, with friends, like this, yeah, like doing something subversive, well, and, and, he, and Rayanne has told Ricky it was a waste of time and nothing happened. Brian wants Rayanne to have mentioned something about the start of some kind of feelings, right? Somewhere along the way, he wants any inkling that what he is already putting together in his mind, this little fantasy that he has about Rayanne, like. That this has started something that will yeah. end up with him being able to look at her legs just as much as he wants. Or even or even just because he's in love with Angela. Even just her to have said to Ricky, hung up with Brian last night, he's actually not that bad. You know, mm. some anything to say like now I'm part of the group, now we had this experience, I'm a cool kid too now. <laughs> I do the bad things with the cool kids. And she has just told Ricky it was a waste of time, nothing happened. Right. And Brian is crushed yeah he, says, he doesn't yeah, say anything but he's happens. just like 
yeah, ma. And I was like, oh, that's so real. Like in that moment, the idea that like you had an experience, you build it up in your head as some big thing. Right. And then the person that you had the experience with, it didn't even register for them. Oh, so painful. Yeah. Now it's time for the real, real Supreme ordeal. For real, real ordeal. This ain't no ghost ordeal. Angela wants to get through to Jordan. She failed to get through to Nikki Driscoll. She never really had a shot. But here's Jordan, a living, breathing person that she cares about, and she is afraid he's throwing his life away. Not in the same way Nikki Driscoll did in like climbing up to the rafters to do a stupid prank, mm-hmm. but in a like you're gonna get expelled from school for simply not showing up. But your physical body is on school grounds. You just, oh, you just put it in the English class. Walk down the hallway. You don't even have to do any work. Just go <laughs> lean on something in that classroom. Nobody can make you learn, dude. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You'll always have that. You just have to be counted as present. Yeah. So she actually tells him with with confidence in contrast to the way that she spoke to him earlier. She's like, I know you think that no one cares about you, but I do. And I'm rooting for you. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And you think that no one could possibly understand, but I do. And I don't want you to throw your life away like this. Like, Mm. go to class. And then she kind of turns around and stalks off. And the reward consequences are pretty immediate. She sits down, and then everyone in class, including the teacher, is surprised when Jordan walks in. Teacher's shittily surprised because she's like, "Oh, look who it is! <laughs> this guy was about to kick out. Thanks so much for coming." That's definitely going to encourage him to come back, right? And then she, we see the Kurt Cobain Rolling Stone cover flash by again on someone's desk. Sure, Angela opens up Nikki Driscoll's book and finds the pressed red rose that wasn't there yesterday. <sighs> Woo! Okay, before we talk about our impressions of this episode, I think it's time for our third snack. Let's do it. So I've, I've seen these for the very first time, and we really ate the worst possible M&Ms that ever lived. So I figure maybe it's time to try some maybe better M&Ms. I don't know how they could be worse. It really is impossible. Uh, but let's find out with these dog shit M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Freshly cut grass M&M's. <laughs> Rotting flesh M&M's. M&M's creepy Cocoa Crisp. Cocoa Co- Crisp? That sounds awesome. Yeah, Cocoa Crisp center with a layer of dark chocolate. So I feel like we're going to fucking nail it. And it's got a spooky Dracula M&M on the front. So maybe this will make us immortal. So let's give it a shot. <laughs> Thanks, M&M's. You These are it. really good. I mean, they're super, super sweet, and the dark chocolate makes them really, really rich, so I don't yeah. think I could eat as many of them as I could other kinds of Certainly M&M's. Certainly not. Uh, and it does kind of just taste like they've taken the candy flavor, the dark chocolate flavor, and then some Cocoa Crisp cereal mm-hmm. and sort of mixed it all together, which is fine. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with any of that. They've really saved me the steps of, of combining that, which I usually just do on my own. I don't know exactly what about these makes them Halloween-y, but I'm going to give these a solid B. Yeah, I'm into it. I'll, I'll fucking B plus. Yeah, let's B plus it. All right. It might be B, B because the other M&Ms were so abysmally terrible. Yeah, and they stand in stark contrast. Truly. All right, so let's talk about our impressions of this episode. I feel like your feelings are pretty transparent. I mean, I, I stand by the, the idea that 
this is a solid mix of people who have real problems and people who are just teenagers trying to figure out life in general. It's, I don't know, I go back and forth with this show because it's well written and definitely is somebody's point of view, but it is also somebody who's trying to figure out if they should pursue the guy that they had one bad kiss and one awesome kiss, and then people trying to figure out where they're going to sleep tonight and having to leave a situation because they might get beaten up for being gay. But meanwhile, somebody's like, what do I do with my hair? So I understand why this might be important for certain people at the time, but it is also very starkly privileged people problem show. In the episodes where people have to realize that they... They are living their lives parallel to people with real problems, like in the, I keep referring to the Christmas episode, but at least, do you remember when the real problems of Ricky's facing homelessness butted up with the comfortable problems of Angela and her parents, and then they ended up at the police station trying to find, you know, it's true. when those two worlds collide is when the show is at its best, and that doesn't happen in this episode. Yeah, and I feel like because of the time, I don't feel as though there's a lot of opportunity for the characters to, when they're confronted with otherism or real problems butting up against their privilege, it's never, uh, they never stop and explore their own privilege or yeah no that wasn't happening really, in the 90s they, yeah. they more or less the the show at best it's it's privileged characters will understand the idea of privilege and then go right back to their privileged lives tangentially sort of advocate for somebody who's having real problems and then you know I guess I did my job. Yeah, I mean that's not what the show was set up to do. Like, of it's course not. not but and it's, it's the it's early nineties, but and it's this perspective of the specific. You have a a white suburban family. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, remember this is airing in the same same time slot as Friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's where we were as a culture in and the nineties. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't, I'm not saying only... that that's right. I'm just contextualizing as you are. Sure. But I think that there are better. There are episodes where these things collide in a way that's interesting. Sure. I mean, I've only seen two out of the 19, so maybe maybe someday I'll see one where, you know, that'll change my opinion. Yeah, I mean, some of these characters do have real problems. You know, Jordan really does have a terrible home life. Ricky has a horrible home life. Illiteracy is a real problem. You know, having a difficult, abusive home life is a real problem. It's just the... (laughs) There is this idea that you know romantic issues and a boy not noticing you are the same kind of problem. It feels that big when you're a teenager yes, and exactly. it certainly feels that big to people who don't have real problems. Right. Now, at this time when everybody is a bit more connected and everybody is aware that other people have real problems, if you are still leaning on your privilege while trying to advocate, it does come off as a bit false. Mhm. The AV Club did a recap of this episode, and it was one of the few I could find that wasn't just... A lot of the times when people write about this on the internet, they're just like, this episode is horrible, because it's so different from the rest of the series. It's so outside the realm of the real... I'm glad I got to watch such a controversial episode (laughs) and had absolutely no idea I was watching a controversial episode. It's truly, as the AV Club article says, much maligned. They gave it a B grade, though, so it was... They did a pretty fair... um, Are all the rest of them A's, though? 
I don't know. I didn't look at all of them. Uh, The thing that I thought was interesting was that they said, in a way, Halloween is the perfect holiday backdrop for this show because it is a holiday that belongs to both kids and adolescents, and how you spend Halloween defines which side of the kid-adolescent line you fall on. Truly. They also point out that Rayanne and Brian were very funny in this episode. They gave them a lot of like funny bits, and that there's a lot of good juxtapositioning of Angela's her tumultuous inner thoughts with the response she actually like gets out of her mouth to the people yeah. in in her life her mother her teacher etc the flapper costume incident yeah and then when um, they actually uh transcribed it here when the teacher says does anyone know jordan catalano does anyone know jordan catalano you can't say that to me now without me going does anybody know jordan catalano what goes through her head is does anybody know jordan catalano that question like got to me. I mean, I had had seven conversations with him, and one really bad kiss, and one amazing one. But did I, like, know him? And then what she actually verbalizes is, ask me the question as though you're the teacher. Does anybody know Jordan Catalano? Sort of. See? Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, That's it's good. The thing. It's it good. Is, it's a lot of internal strife for not a lot of action on the outside. Would you show this episode to a teenager dealing with a ghost in their high school <laughs> yeah, why, in 2019? You know why the fuck not? <laughs> Why not? It literally can't hurt. If you, number one, if you're a teenager and you are coming to me to deal with your ghost in school problems, you have already taken the wrong turn. I am not going to be able to help you with that, nor can anyone, but here's an episode of my so-called life. So maybe you'll understand that uh, you're just an emotional teenager and fucking get over your bullshit. You know what I think is super interesting is that Angela doesn't tell anybody about it. No, of course She isn't like... Rayanne, do you remember how you wanted to contact Nikki Driscoll? It worked. He was here. We had a conversation. Like, she just doesn't... She was never at any point scared. And she never at any she point feels like she wants to tell anybody we, about it. We skipped over this part. They find her the next day, and she's just asleep in front of the gym. So she, like, missed the door and, like, looked at it. And then she's like, well, time to sleep. <laughs> I'll and, just like, sit here in case right it comes there. out. And then I they guess fall asleep. So. Yeah, no. She never mentions that. Nobody ever talks about ghosts. I, as far as I know... Her mom experiences the ghost in the Christmas episode, yeah. but they don't talk about it. She sees Julian Hatfield as well, but doesn't know she's a ghost. She never gets that reveal. Angela yeah, doesn't. The she mom just interacts does. with her. The mom That's does. Um, yeah. Here, so let's do uh, a, you know the the my favorite there, but for the grace of God, why don't you do the mom part and I'll be Eddie Driscoll in this one? <laughs> you ready? Yeah. There, but for the grace of God. Nah, come on, let's not go there. Let's go, not go. I. Let's not go. Let's not go. Let's not go. Let's not. Nah, come on. No, nah. no. Come on. Go. Come on. Nah, nah. Come on. Come on. Nah. Nah. Just, um, nah. Yeah. Would you show this to people dealing with uh, haunted uh, school ghosts from the 60s? Yes, because I just want everyone to watch this show. Sure, so, course, yes. I want to hug John Catalano. And I want to hug Claire Danes. I want to hug and I want to hug Ricky. Oh boy! And I want to hug Rayanne. I feel like there's no there's no time for me to hug anybody, <laughs> so I'll just abstain this time. Because you just want to hug a bunch of teenagers. Oh, I want to hug them all. Gotta catch them all. My so-called life. Wow. <laughs> That's out of context. Just you talking about abducting teenagers, and I think you should probably watch it a little bit. They were in their twenties, except for Claire Danes. You aren't saying I want to hug Claire Danes. You are saying you want to hug the characters. So you want to kidnap an illiterate kid and his mopey friends yeah like That's some sort life. of some sort of scooby don't <laughs> hey let me hug you no no i don't nah, want to be hugged come on hug you know, hug, it's uh, all like hugging nah, come on nah. come on nah. come on <laughs> 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 fucking love nikki driscoll glucose 
He's just fun to <laughs> not. Come on, man. He's nah. just the laziest ghost we've ever met. He's the laziest ghost. Did we learn anything from this, Chelsea? What did I we learned learn? about your deepening obsession. I, I learned more about your already deep obsession with my so-called life, which I feel like I had suspicions. Um, I did a little bit of looking up of a... Uh, there's a bit of a timeline thing because she says that the dance happened before Kennedy was assassinated, but then there's like some confusion about the class of 63 and like the year I had to do a little bit of date research just to clarify for myself sure. and realize that it's actually sloppy writing that's in the episode. Yeah. But so I learned a tiny bit about the Kennedy assassination accidentally. Doesn't have any bearing on this. Accidental episode. learning. Yeah. Hugging and accidentally and accident learning. learning. Over hugging, accidental <laughs> learning. That's Absolutely. the theme of this episode. And once again, thank you to Altered Revelations for all of the awesome snack time music on this episode. They're playing at the Viper Room once again on October 27th. Go to Eventbrite, go to alteredrevelations.com to snag those tickets. Folks, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on our first spooky Halloween episode. Yes. And a uh, reminder to you all uh, to participate in Click or Treat. Get yourself a sticker, get yourself a coaster, one or the other. Yep. Uh, all you have to do is post about us on social media post about us on social media or leave us an iTunes review yeah those iTunes re reviews by the way super important to us they definitely increase our profile and you know telling us uh, telling your friends about us it helps too you yeah know, don't don't hide don't hide our light under a bushel <laughs> don't stop the great word of mouth that we that we know that you guys are out there talking about the show just constantly like we, yeah. know, we know you are don't stop doing that we know that. that you are sitting in your rooms talking about it we're just saying go outside and talk about it to yep. a person on the internet we know our audience also don't forget to if you do one of those things if you share about us or you leave us an itunes review just send us a quick email or a dm with your address so we can mail you your reward and also you can, will be entered to win the very special prize package yeah look us up on facebook uh, to share us on social media look us up on facebook hugging and learning instagram, instagram is at hugging and learning, at hugging and learning. Uh, yep. you know everything's on our website as well huggingandlearning.com so yep. check us out and thanks for tuning in we will see you next week when we will be watching we will be watching punky brewster the Ooh. perils of punky part one and two which you can get on amazon prime video this was traumatizing to me as a child <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bring snacks. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. Music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks. This is Chelsea. And this is Andy. Welcome to Halloween. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs>